I heard a man of God say this. He said, the day of atonement was once a year, which was the day the high priest carried the sacrifice into the holiest of all, which was a type of the sacrifice of Jesus. In order for them to reap the benefits of the work of the high priest, that day in scripture was known as a day of fasting. The day of atonement, everybody in Israel had to fast. So that the benefits of the atonement there will be seen in your life. And I saw it. Alright? In fact, he said in that statement, and I sent it all right, to the minister's group there. Let me just read it out there. He said a very powerful statement. Alright? Very, very powerful statement. He said the statement here. He said, I think it will be almost impossible to exaggerate the potential for fasting to change the course of history. He said, I think it will be impossible to do that. It's no wonder Satan tries to keep this key out of the hands of God's people. He is afraid of it. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 here. Now, I mean, we don't go back, but Jesus, remember he had said, okay, let's look at Luke chapter Luke 11. Let, let me get the thought back again. Luke chapter 11 from verse 1. Alright, go to verse 4. So shall have good night. Okay. For, verse 5. So he says, he shall say unto which of you, and he talked about the friend. Then go to verse 7. Okay? And from within shall trouble me not. Verse 8. And then he says, we know that I say unto you though. Then verse 9. He now said, I say unto you, ask and it shall be what? Given. Seek, you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened up to you. Then we we'll go to Matthew 7. Uh, Matthew 7 and verse 7. So Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Verse 8. And then it says, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. Everyone that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened unto him. Then verse 9. It says, of what man is there? Whom his son shall ask bread will give him a stone. And verse 10, and he says, and or will ask for fish and give him a serpent. And then he says, verse 11, if you then be evil, same thing, all right, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Then verse 12, look at what it says. Therefore, therefore, so he added this thought, all things whatsoever you will that men to do unto you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. In other words, what Jesus was saying here was, when you are in the place of prayer, a lot of your prayers, now there are some prayers that are answered not by the will of men, but by direct action of angels. There are prayers that are answered by the direct action of the Holy Ghost upon the soul body of a person. Within that person. In other words, revelation comes. That's not under the jurisdiction of any man. Alright? You sit down and a person has an open view and sees things. That's not under the There are things that angels come. Alright? A person was going to have an accident and an angel came delivered him from it. Uh, things like that. They are angelic operations. But there are many prayers that the answer is in the jurisdiction of men. In other words, people acting towards you in a certain way. So somebody saying that, I'm believing for open doors, those doors are people. It is people deciding, let me just give an example. If somebody says, I'm believing for a global ministry that will be all over the world, it's people. Are you understanding? Somebody must say you should come. 
Alright? Or even if you go by yourself, they must decide to come to you. Are you following what I'm saying? So, uh, people have to act towards you in a certain way. Now, that's where arms comes in. The way, look, let's put that verse up again. The way you want people, therefore, and this therefore was, it was for the prayer it was saying. So when you are there praying, alright, there's importunity there in prayer, and God is saying, let me tell you. Alright, you see it. He said, though he has long suffering, he will answer speedily. Long suffering means he's putting up with certain behavioral patterns that are not consistent with what you pray. And it deals with how you treat people. And this treatment of people is how you treat people that are less powerful than you. That's where it's coming. That's why arms is given to less. Alright? People that are less powerful than you. That is in the way and manner in which you go about it. So he is saying here that while you are there in the place of prayer, remember he says he will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Now you can't pour new wine into old wine skin. So in the place of prayer, God begins to show you things and tells you that you see there is nothing you cannot reach. There is nothing you can't get a breakthrough on. There is nothing. There is no door that is closed. There is nothing you can However, the breakthrough starts inside your own heart. Alright? It's not on the outside. So as you are praying there, alright, and you are praying there and staying and watching and spending time with God, He starts talking to you and showing you how you treat people. And the way and manner he wants you, right, to treat people and to perfect, all right, the art of walking in love. That's why the Bible says, even if I speak with tongues of men and angels, and I have not love, which means I don't treat people in a certain way, I'm a tinkling symbol. And that ties up to what he calls arms. Arms is not just, you can give, arms is talking about there. Jesus is deeper than that. Arms is not just giving substance to well, well, I have shoes, I gave the poor the shoe. That's not what he's saying. Because if that's what he's saying, then the Bible says you can give all your goods to the poor and still not love the people. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, <laughs> you know, something, what, what did they do to so What happened now? Somebody did, I, I don't know, something happened inside the office, so I wanted to just show them a principle. So I said, you can um, share with me, but you can't shed. That is a difference between sharing and shedding. When the hen lays eggs, and you take the eggs, that's sharing. The hen is still okay, and can lay eggs tomorrow. When the pig gives the life for pork, that's shedding. Now you may share, but not shed your life. And it says, greater love hath no man than this, that he lays his life. In other words, there is the shedding. So, I can give to somebody, but I will not associate with that person. If the person comes near my house, I close the door. What are you looking for? Don't sit on my chair. Please. Looking like this. No, 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 no. Do you know how much I spent on this chair? But it says, all right, take 
So you can, you can do that and not. Uh, do you get what I'm saying here? So what he's talking about when it, I'm just talking about arms that we, it goes deeper, all right, than that. It, it goes into, into a lifestyle. And so in prayer, there is that. That's why he says, rend your heart and not your garment. He says, afterwards, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. So you are in that place in a secret and God begins to communicate to you in secret, right, about, about things. So it's, there's even, there's, there's what is, look, let me, let me give an example. If somebody is praying about something, now this someone that is praying about something, I'm believing God for something massive. And you are wondering, can this thing ever happen? But that same person comes to meet you one day and sits down with you and says, you know, I was praying and praying. And God ministered to me that you needed 77,800 Is that so? And you bring out a sheet of paper and it shows you have a bill of 77,800 you know that person hears God. Yeah. Abi? Yeah. Now, after that, if they tell you, can that person get that thing done? You say, I will get it. Ah, that person. Deep person. Deep. <laughs> now, wait. Wait. What you are saying is that the ability to know the needs of people like that is, is a greater thing than even the external manifestation I'm talking about. Because it takes a hard for people to be able to enter into that. You have to love people for you to be able to know things about people. For you to sit down and just know that this person I'm seated next to has a problem. You, you cannot just do that if there is no real genuine concern that you have for that person. Alright? You just know that this person... There's something, all right? You, this one, there's something. So for you to know, so there has to be, and that's what I was saying, part of the prayer that he's talking about when he says uh, praying in secret, all right, and all of that, is that kind of prayer that is going on inside your heart and you're praying about something but at the same time. Because if you get that right and your, your orientation of your life changes, right, in terms of your dealings with people, then what happens is what is on the outside now begins to change. So as we are, and this is one of the things we are praying in this first few days of, this, of the first year, which is right, this type of prayer then. So strange powerful doors open up in 2020 because you in your own small way, and it is the, it is the, it is the law of scripture that nobody talk anything here. That's the law of scripture. Is, is God cannot be mocked. Is whatsoever a man sows, that man shall reap. Is the law of scripture. The only way God could have brought Jesus into the earth was that Abraham took his only son and placed him on the altar. That gave God the legal entry, not to the Gentiles, but to honor Abraham. That's why he said that the blessing of Abraham might come on the whole Gentiles. It was Abraham God was dealing with when he did that. That's why Jesus, when he came, he said, you know this entrance I've come to do? He said, oh boy, let me tell you this, you can only go to the lordship of the house of Israel 
They said, daughter of Abraham, daughter of Abraham. It was daughter of Abraham. Now, why did Jesus come through a particular family? Because of what David did. So you want to start having the entrance, unusual entrance of God into your life. Then it begins to come in, you know, the way and manner. So God starts showing you that if you live your life like this, you create room for me to be able, you start getting into the intelligence of God. That you create room. That's why it says in the scriptures, it says, Masters, treat your servants in a certain way, knowing that you have a master in heaven and you will be rewarded. In other words, he says, told servants, behave this way. He said, because whatever you do, he says, that is what you're going to, that's how you're going to get rewarded. So you can't be, look, it's not, it's not costing anybody. You can't be walking in someone's office and stealing out all their money and think one day you build business and, and it ain't going to happen. Chief, it ain't going to happen. You understand what I'm saying? Unless there's a deluge of repentance. I know what repentance means. Repentance means. Before you now start, it's not like you be on your own business. And say, I repent, I repent. That's not you repent. You will try the business, it will not work. Then you go back to serve. Then this time around, you won't steal anything. So why steal first? Are you following what I'm saying? So, that you can't, God can't be mocked. Alright? You can't, you can't mock God. So, it's the balance there where you as a person in terms of the way and manner in which you treat people and, and, and the way in which you handle people there and treat them right, comes back to you. So let me just close by showing something uh, last thing here. All right. Um, Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 8. And I'll close with this. Nehemiah 4 and verse 8. So I want to talk about watches here. And, and when they set up a watch the children, um, sorry, the early church, if you read in the book of Acts, it will say in the third watch of the day, in the, in the sixth watch, all right, so they had certain times they will go in to God. And it's the most effective way because every time, and it hastens the manifestation of it. So you carry that thing to God in prayer, right, and praise Him. And, and you go in for some time and then you, I mean, Pastor Luke Johnson used to teach us, it's just that because you don't want people to get on that guilt, so you don't want to say some things. Because, I mean, when we were growing up in Ibadan, it was a simple city. You hardly have hold up in the city. Everybody's at home. At, so, there are certain practical Lagos, if you preach it like that, someone say, well, I'm in traffic for two, 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 two hours. He might be feeling guilty that he's missing a prayer watch. But the point there is, right, he told us that when you pray, you use the spiritual energy that you have derived, which means as, you, as you're going on in life, that power is, you're using it. If the power level now drops, right, then the work, that's the same thing, how most the hand came down, got tired, the power level drops, the amount of activity that can go on concerning that thing goes down. So you have to go back, refill yourself up to heighten the, so when you're believing for something, the power in your spirit for the fulfillment of that thing must be kept at threshold. Are you following that? 
you, because it's, it's, the Bible says that God will do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or think according to the power that works inside you. So it's the power that is at work in you that he's using. If you do, are not endued with power from on high periodically, then you stop the function. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly, but it's according to the power that is at work on the inside of you. So you have to, all right, create that space there and do that in terms of that to be able to get right results there. So it says in Nehemiah chapter 4 here and verse 9, it says this. And, and, and nevertheless, sorry, verse 8. Let's start from verse 8. And conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem to hinder it. And then he said in verse 9, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. So they set a watch. When you set a watch in the scripture, it means that it's like you have set up watches. So you periodically, you've set it up. I was saying this last night. Smith Wigglesworth said he cannot, he never really used to pray for extensive periods of time at once. But I think he said, all right, either 15 minutes or 30 minutes will not go a day without him saying a prayer unto God. So there was that constant and continuous communication with God there and constant generation of power inside his spirit. So during this fast day, don't just make it well from then we didn't eat, then at six I quickly ate food, and then I didn't eat, then I quickly ate food, and then I didn't, then I quickly ate food, and then God, we have finished 21 days fast, uh, miracles are going to happen to us. No, it is according to the power that is at work on the inside of you. The power that you generate during this fast and you release, all right, into your life. And that power comes as a result of prayer, fellowshipping with God, studying the word of God to derive nourishment into your spirit, and then speaking forth that word out into your life. Let me just say one thing. I should write this down. Because when I was praying this morning, God showed me in prayer. Now, many people, the answer to what they are looking for, they've already heard it. And it's in your notes. Alright? When I was praying this morning, it came to me. So let me, I was going to say it tonight. Alright? It's in your notes. So go back to all the notes you have read. And during this fasting period, start reading them. You will see the answer in those things. Because it says you ought to give a more earnest heed to the things that you have heard, lest at any time you let them sleep. For if we neglect so great a salvation, why I was praying for you, Toby said, listen, most of it is in the notes of people. Tell them to go back and start rereading those notes under the influence of a fast and prayer. And they will start seeing that they have jotted down things that they will look at it and say, did I write this down? And they will begin to get direction from the things that they already have heard during this time that will speak to them, all right, clearly. And that you are not, and this is the point I was getting, you are not going to hear God's voice, you know, we'll be praying and praying, and then we're waiting to hear, you know, you get what I'm saying? Um, my son. I'm just waiting for that. All right, and you know, it just says in the month of April, 20th of April, it shall be done. Okay. But I'm telling you, you can pick up your notes and your Bible, and by reading them, you come to the conclusion from what you have seen that by month of April, it will be done. 
that is sonnet. Are you following what I'm saying? Alright. You cannot hear God without making contact with his material. Do you get you can't just be in isolation. You you hear God by making contact with his material there. Alright? So open up the Bible, open up your notes, and then begin to interact, and then you start hearing what God has to say to you. Don't just you know shut yourself up and just say, I'm gonna be hearing some simple voices. All right, speaking to me. And remember, we said this. Put up Psalm 28, verse 1. Okay, still have 10 minutes. Psalm 28, verse 1. Now, don't forget this. The power of prayer is in not just what you say to God, but most importantly, what God says to you. He says, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock, be not silent to me. Lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. You know what that means? A person can be crying unto God and still go down into the pit. And people will say, what happened? But he was praying. He said, I'm crying, but be not silent. In other words, God says this. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And then it says, Mine ear has thou opened. So what God did was to open his ear. And then he said, It's written of me in the volume of this book. And he set my feet upon that rock when he opened my ear through what was written in the volume of the book. So stay with the word of God there. Right? Stay in the place of prayer. Let God speak to you through the materials that you have. Let him speak to you. And as he speaks to you through that, uh, what happens is you put yourself in that pedestal and then you can start declaring. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. All right. It says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, that's Jesus, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And um, it's said by theologians, I agree with this, that the only thing that the disciples directly asked Jesus to teach them to do was to teach them to pray. That is, instruct us 
on how we are supposed to pray. Now, I believe they understood the importance of the method that Jesus used in prayer to the results that he was getting in his public life and ministry. That whosoever or whatsoever he pray in secret, the Lord shall reward thee openly. So let's say there was something secretive about the prayer life of Jesus that they felt was directly responsible. And it's three things that he talked about. He said, when you pray, do it in secret. When you fast, do it in secret. When you give alms, do it in secret. Your Father shall reward you openly for these three things. Therefore, if you want to have open manifestations, and you want public demonstrations of God's power, it must be tied up to the practice of these three things. One, a prayer. Two, inclusion of a fast. And three, all right, a giving of, all right, of arms. In other words, when a person practices these three things before the Father, it says, the Father that seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So God runs a reward-based system. Anybody who says God doesn't reward has not read the Bible. That's not a scriptural idea. It's actually a demonic thought. Because the Bible says, Whosoever cometh to God must believe two things. He must believe that God is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And the whole basis, all right, of, of our conduct on the earth is that when we get to heaven, we are going to be rewarded by God. What the Bible teaches is that you shouldn't expect reward from men. But it says you should expect reward from God. Do you get what we're saying here? What it says is that give not hoping that you will receive anything from man. And then it concludes by saying, and your reward shall be great in heaven. So the Bible does not in any way say, the Bible tells us that Jesus, for the joy that he saw ahead of him, endured the cross. The Bible tells us Moses made a decision because he had recompense to the, uh, respect to the recompense of reward. So he was able to do that and he left aside the pleasures of sin for he understood all right, the bigger picture and knew that it was going to enter into something. So what God teaches, he says, if a person gives to the poor, he lends unto the Lord. So when you help people, it is the Lord that you have given to, not to the person. Right? Because, that, I mean, no matter what anybody says, if you don't look to God as your source, you're going to put pressure on men around you. Uh, that one, the people say, it's all nonsense. All right? People that teach all these things, if you get into the practice of how they run their things, it's totally different. If you don't look to God as your source, then you are going to, because you have to put pressure somewhere. Right? So what's going to happen is you're going to put pressure on friends. You're going to put pressure on family. You're going to start working in unforgiveness. This person didn't help me. This person was supposed to do that. That person wasn't there. That's looking for reward from men. All right? I have an uncle. I have a brother. They didn't help me. Looking for reward from men. Making God alone as your source. Right? And he says you do it in secret. And then he tells us that God himself shall reward thee openly. So in Luke chapter 11, 
And verse 1. They came to pass as they were praying in a certain place. When he had ceased, one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. So they must have mingled with the disciples of John the Baptist. And they realized that John had talked to them about how he communicates with God. And how he was in the wilderness without any form of natural communication. And men were coming to him in the wilderness from every quarter all right, of the city while he was. So he must have understood all right, the power, how to unleash the power of prayer effectively. How to go about it. So Jesus answered them and said in verse 2, it says that Jesus said, and he said unto them, when you pray, what you are supposed to say, the content, is our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. So it says, the first thing you ought to do in prayer is to sanctify the name of the Lord and to give worship unto him. And then thy kingdom come and let your will be done as in heaven, so in the earth. So he tells us that the desire of that person in any given situation is for the entrance of God's kingdom, that is, his will be done on the earth as it is in heaven, God's will concerning that. So that becomes the priority of a person that prays. Then verse, verse, 13, verse 3, it says, Give us this day our daily bread. Now you can look at it in different ways, but you could look at this as looking to God for your daily sustenance. In other words, you understand that, you know, God is the one that will create opportunity for you, all right, to be able to earn a daily living. Then verse 4 there, all right, and forgive us our sins as for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. So you get into the place of prayer and this talks about your relationship. So it says in the place of prayer, release, all right, anybody who is indebted to you, which means they have wronged you in any way. And they might be indebted to you as a person. So you let go of, those, of that and you don't, you know, try to make a demand, which some people do, right, on people, which is witchcraft them. But you release any person that is indebted. Now, this doesn't even mean somebody who trespassed or did something wrong. This could be somebody you helped, you release them from acting towards you in a certain way. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, you did something at a very crucial time in your life. A friend that you had helped many years would not show up for you and walked away. He didn't come for you, but they are not indebted to you. you. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, prayer is making God your source. So you can't be a person of prayer and then you are complaining about the fact that, you know, but this person didn't do this. I remember I've been doing this for years, all right, for this person or in this place or even inside the church I've been doing and people start getting offended and start laying claim and trying to, you know, you know, win an argument by talking about, you know, what they did to that person, right? So any, nobody is indebted, all right, uh, to me here. If I've helped anyone, they are not indebted all right, to me, and therefore on that ground, I can come to you, God, and ask to release me also, because in order for you not to be manipulated. Do you get what I'm saying here? Because people have made investments into your life. Then they might have invisible strings that they use to manipulate your life. 
In other words, uh, the person, you know, uh, calls you. So, in order to break any form, all right, of control in that particular way, you also must give up uh, uh, the thoughts there of, of controlling, right, any person. So, in prayer, you let go of that. You can't uh, feel that people are indebted to you and they must... They must do certain things for you. And at the same time, you are, you are in the motion of prayer. Uh, God has to be, all right, your only source. Now, you can use people as channels there. Uh, and, 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 and you are not indebted, all right. You, uh, you, people shouldn't use that to, to lay a claim, all right, upon your life. I mean, if that were the case, then people's parents should hold them for ransom for the rest of their life. Because you will not be in the position you are today if, I mean, if, you, if, you, if at least some people didn't, if you know your parents, people, even guardians, didn't invest into you. If they took you and threw you somewhere, you will not even know anything about education, you will know anything about life. So you can you attribute everything that you are in terms of your earthly existence, uh, probably to your parents or guardians or people that helped you at that particular point in time. But there has to be a balance in the relationship of you fulfilling the will of God for your life without, you know, being, having that sense of being indebted. That's why Jesus said things like, if you can't love less your dear father, mother, and all of that, you can't follow me. Because if that debt is there and the strings are being pulled and you are in that kind of environment where the strings are being pulled, then you'll not be able to fulfill the will of God, right, for your life. And in order to do that, you also have to first of all be a person that uh, doesn't, you know, lay claim upon the lives, right, of people. So we go on there and he says this. So forgive us, all right, as we forgive. Okay, put, all right. Forgive us as saints, for we forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now there's a difference between temptation and evil. Temptation occurs when a person is enticed, drawn away, which means the consequence of temptation is it was, is a path of self-destruction. In other words, you are enticed and you are drawn away into something. It could be a job. It doesn't have to be something completely. It could be a job. It could be an investment opportunity. It could be something. And you are lured by a package and you got into it and then realized the same way uh, um, um, Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot went in Sodom and Gomorrah because he saw that it was well watered. So when he says, lead us not in temptation, the prayer there is to ask, all right, for the strength and the discernment of God, because these are the two areas in which a person's life can go off of the tracks, right? That is, you are not lured by anything, but you are able to see. You must remember that man completely fell not as a result of evil, but as a result of temptation. And I'll explain this. Temptation came, it was tempted, and there was the participation and cooperation of right, him there in getting it done. Now, evil is a different thing. Evil is when outside things come to harm you, which means this has nothing, wickedness in people, they demonstrate it all right, towards that person. It's not a product of that person being lured. It is just all right, evil that is on the earth that comes. So he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from that external evil, for thine is the kingdom. Verse 5, all right, verse 5, please. And he said unto them, for which of you, right? Now, he went on having said that. Now, here's the point I'm getting to in this message. Now, Jesus told them about 
what to say in prayer. Then he now started on the attitude you must have in prayer. And he said unto them, which of you, now he was still teaching them on the subject of praying when he said this. Alright, he was teaching them on the subject there of prayer when he now said, and which of you? So he said, I've explained certain things in theology to you, but let's get into the practice now. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves. Verse 6. And then it goes on, for a friend of mine is in his journey, or in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then verse 7. For from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut. Now it's at midnight. He said, you go to go and meet a friend at midnight. And say, well, I need loaves. There are some people that have come at midnight. And he's in bed. And, and even though he's your friend. And that relationship exists between you and him. And based on that relationship, you want, through that relationship, he will respond to you. Now he says, he didn't respond because of that relationship. He shall answer from within, not without. This is that determination not to do it. He from within shall answer. That means the person is telling you from his heart. Do you get what I'm saying here? From within, trouble me not. The door is now shut. So he's telling you how shut doors can be opened. Are you following what I'm saying? The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. So he explained to him from his heart why the door is shut on his request and it cannot happen. Verse 8. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, he will not. Yet because of his importunity, in other words, his continuous coming, his refusal to let go, continuously banging on the door until you say, this is nuisance, you get what I'm saying here. He says, continuous coming, he will rise and not just give him, give him as many as he needed. So he went from a place where he said from within himself, I will not. To a place where he said, what do you want? Is it enough? Do you want more? Go. Alright? As much as in needed. Verse 9. And so, he says, I say unto you, ask, alright, and it shall be given. Now, that word ask is in present continuous. Ask and keep asking until it's given. Seek, and if you keep seeking, you will find. Knock, and if you stay at it, it shall be opened unto you. Verse 10. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And then verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he shall ask a fish, will he give him for a fish a serpent? Verse 12. And if he shall ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13. It now goes on. If then ye be evil, 
know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So here is speaking about importunity here. And I want to link it up to something. And it's talking about, all right, a person. And the failure there in prayer, right, which means when these three things are there, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, then there's a an public demonstration. Listen, remember we get to it in Isaiah 58. They said, why have we fasted and you have not noticed? You saw that it was arms he was talking about. You get what I'm saying? Now, where there is prayer, with fasting and the giving of arms, then those three, like it says, a threefold cord cannot be easily broken. That is a threefold cord, all right, that cannot. So the posture in prayer is that we, as they say, it's not right to, all right, we die here, but you're, you're not dying. You are living, but that's posture, all right? Which means that we are going to stay with this, for this is where, I mean, that's what Elijah did to get rape. The Bible says he was fasting. I said, how do we know? He told Ahab to eat and drink. He didn't eat and drink. He stayed there. And he said, I will stay in this particular place. Now, so, one of the reasons why we fail in prayer is that we don't, we look at it, set up watches. Now, when you set up a watch, what you are doing in effect is this. And this is why, in fact, they say the most difficult task for a human being, psychologists say, say this, is for you to hold a particular thought in your mind that the environment contradicts over a period of time. That whoever can hold and host that idea, it will eventually break. But that people just cannot hold on to that thought. In other words, they hold on to it. Now, now look, listen to me. People can, people can want something, but they are not holding on to that thought persistently. Alright? They might do it today and then forget about it tomorrow and then for three weeks. I mean, it's the same thing that happened to Moses. Moses lifted up the rod. When Moses was tired, he put down the rod. And when he put down the rod, Joshua began to lose. So, there has to be that consistency over a period of time. So, if you are believing for something, it has to be like a project. In other words, you set up watches. To set up watches means that you deliberately set up I'm going to talk to God about this thing in the morning. I'm going to talk to him deliberately about this thing in the afternoon. And I'm going to talk to him about this thing in the evening here. Which means that this thought, will I will start the day with it. I will hold on to it during the day. And I will keep at it. As he tells us in Isaiah, I've set watchmen upon thy walls that will not be silent night or day until... So there is that attitude of persistence in the place of prayer. So what happens is, you don't allow things to drift. Alright? You stay with it and say, and during this fast, that's what we're talking about. Don't, I've said this again. Right? Don't just say, I didn't eat food. Uh, do you get what I'm saying here? That's not the thing that's on the heart of God. That I didn't eat food for 21 days, and you know, I, I mean, the people that are dieting that, 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 that can do what you say to do. All right? All right? So it's not just that I didn't eat food here. It's that 
I set up a 21-day watch to push, all right, in the realm of the spirit for the breaking forth of certain things in my life. I set up 21 days with fasting to push. When Daniel called the fast, he saw something and he said, I turned to God with prayer and fasting. Right? And that's how he got. Every unusual breakthrough in the scriptures came as a result of individuals or people that came together to fast. Anywhere you see an unusual breakthrough, what preceded it? You read very well. Is that people went into a fast. All right? You cannot have, forget about that theology. In fact, I was listening to somebody very old that had gone up to the Lord many, many years ago. But I was listening to him and, and I told somebody on Sunday, I said, you know, I said, I, I saw it in the Spirit, but I, I do want to elaborate on it. But if you read Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4 and it talks about they didn't enter it because of unbelief and then it tells you that even though his works were finished from the foundation of this world, that we should labor to enter into rest. And that labor, he said, which means to enter into the finished work of God. All right, which means works have been finished to enter into it. And he says they could not enter because of unbelief. So you labor to remove unbelief so you can enter into the manifestation of the finished works of Jesus. And then Jesus said in Matthew that you could not get it because of unbelief. And he said this kind goeth not except by prayer and fasting. So somewhere along the lines is people that really enter into knowledgeable fast that enter the finished work of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.